Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. of unfortunate events book the seventh the vile village chapter 12 Peyton are you listening oh Peyton are you falling asleep Peyton are you falling asleep no no you're not falling asleep right are you falling asleep a little little. can I you want me to read a chapter okay (laughs) chapter 12 If you have reached this far in the story, you must stop now. If you take one step back and look at this book that you're reading, you can see how little of this miserable story there is to go. But if you know how much grief and woe are contained in these last few pages, you would take another step back and then another, and then keep stepping back until the the vile village was just a small distant as approaching figure of of Detective Dupont was as the Baudelaire orphans embraced their new friends in relief and joy. The Baudelaire orphans, I'm sorry to say, could not stop could not stop now, and there is no way for me to travel backwards in time to warn the Baudelaires that the relief and the joy we're experiencing at Val Fountain were the last bits of relief that they would expect for a very long time. But I can warn you, you, unlike the Baudelaire orphans and the Quagmire triplets, and me and my dearest departed Beatrice, can stop this wretched story at this very moment and see what happens at the end of the littlest elf instead we can't stay here violet warned i don't mean to cut you short at this reunion but it's already afternoon and the detective and detective dupont is coming down that street the five children looked in the direction that violet was pointing and could see the turquoise speck of dupont's approaching blazer and the tiny point of the light of his flaming torch made as he drew near the courtyard do you think that he sees us klaus asked i don't know violet said but He's not, but let's not stick around to find out. The VFD mob will just get worse when they discover that we've broken out of jail. Detective Dupont is the latest disguise of Count Olaf, and Klaus Klaus explained to the Quagmires, and we know all about Detective Dupont, Duncan said quickly, and we know what's happened to you. We heard everything that happened yesterday from the inside of the fountain, Isadora said, when we heard you cleaning cleaning the fountain we tried to make as much noise as we could but you couldn't hear us over the sound of all that water duncan squeezed the whole puddle out of his soaked soaked stitches of his left sweater sleeve then he reached under his shirt that he brought out of the dark green notebook we tried to keep our notebooks as dry as possible he explained after all there's crucial crucial information in here we have all of the information about vfd isadora said taking out her notebook which was pitch black. The real VFD is not the village of foul devotees. Duncan opened his notebook and blew on some of the damp pages. And we know the complete story of poor Jacques. Duncan was interrupted by a shriek behind him, and the five children turned to see the members of the council elders staring at the hole in the uptown jail. Quickly, the Baudelaire's and the Quagmire's ducked behind Val Fountain so they wouldn't be seen. One of the elders shrieked again and removed his crow hat to dab his brow with the tissue. They've escaped, he cried. Rule number 1742 clearly states that no one is allowed to escape from jail. How dare they disobey this rule? We should have expected this from 
from a murderer and her two accomplices that another elder said and look they've damaged foul fountain the beak is split wide open our beautiful fountain is ruined those three orphans are the worst criminals in history the first replied look there's detective dupont walking up the street let's go tell him what happened maybe he'll figure out where they've gone you've got to tell dupont you go tell dupont the second elder said and then i'll go call the daily punctilio maybe they'll put my name in the newspaper the two members of the council hurried off to spread the news and the children sighed in relief coast sunny said meaning that was too close klaus replied soon this whole district would be full of citizens hunting us down well nobody's hunting us down duncan said isadora and i will be in front of you so you won't be spotted but where can we go isadora said the village is in the middle of nowhere oh i helped hector finish a self-sustaining hot air balloon violet said and he promised to have it waiting for us all we have to do is make it to the outskirts of town and we can escape and live forever in the air klaus said frowning well maybe it won't be forever violet said sayella sunny said which meant it's either a self-sustaining hot air balloon home or being burned at the stake well when you say it like that klaus said i'm convinced everyone agreed and violet turned around to the courtyard to see if anyone else had arrived yet in a place of a flat in a place as flat as this one she said you can see people coming from far away and we're going to see we're going to use that to our advantage. We'll walk along any empty street we can find, and if we see anyone coming, we'll turn a corner. But we won't be able to get there as, as the crow flies, but eventually we'll be able to reach Nevermore Tree. Speaking of crows, Klaus said to the triplets, how did you manage to deliver those poems to the crows? And how did you know what we would receive them? Well, let's get moving, Isadora said. We'll tell you the whole way as we as we go along. Five children got moving. With the quagmire triplets on the lead, the group of the youngsters peered down the streets after one another when they, find, when they found one without a sign of anyone coming and hurried down that courtyard, hurried out of the courtyard. Olaf smuggled us away in an item in the auction and helped, and with the help of Esme Squalor, Duncan be, began Duncan began referring to the last time the Baudelaire's had seen him and his sister, and he hit us for a while in the tower of his terrible house violet shuddered violet shuddered i haven't thought of that room in quite some time she said it's hard to believe that we used to live in such a vile with such a vile man klaus pointed from a distant fig to a distant figure who was walking towards them and the five children turned to another empty street the street doesn't lead to Hex this street doesn't lead to hexer's house he said but we'll try and double back to go go we'll try and double back go on duncan Olaf learned that three would be living with Hector at the outskirts of the town. Duncan continued, and his, and he had his associates build that hideous fountain. Then he placed us inside, Isadora said, and had, his, had us installed in the uptown courtyard so that he can keep an eye on us while he tried to hunt you down. We knew that you were our only chance of escaping. The children reached the corner and stopped while Duncan peeked around to make sure that no one was approaching. He signaled that it was safe to, to continue the story. We need to send you a message, but we're afraid that if we fall into the wrong hands, Isadora had the idea of writing the couplets with our location and location hidden in the first letter of each line. As Duncan and as Duncan figured out how to get the the, to Hector's house, Isadora said. He'd done some research about migration patterns and large blackbirds, and he knew that the crows roost every night in Nevermore Tree, right next to Hector's house. Every morning, I would write a couplet, and the two of us would reach through the fountain's beak. 
There was always a crow roosting on the very top of the fountain, Duncan said, so we would wrap the scrap of paper around its leg, and the paper was all wet from the fountain, so it would stick easily. And Duncan's research was absolutely right. The paper dried off and all f- and fell at night, Isidore recited. That was a risky plan, Violet said. No riskier than breaking out of jail and putting your lives in danger to rescue us, Duncan said, looking at the Baudelaire's in gratitude. You've saved our lives again. We wouldn't have left you behind, Klaus said. We refuse to entertain that notion. Isidore smiled and patted Klaus's hand. Meanwhile, she was... While she was trying to, we were trying to contact you. Olaf hatched a plan to steal your fortune and to get rid of any, to get rid of an old enemy at the same time. You mean Jacques? Violet said. When we saw him at the Council of Elders, he was trying to tell us something. Why does he have the same tattoo as Olaf? Who is he? His full name, Duncan said, flipping through the notebook, is Jacques Snicket. That sounds familiar, Violet said. I'm not surprised, Duncan said. Jacques Snicket is the brother of a man who... There they are! Voice cry, a voice cried out, and in, in an instant the children realized that they had neglected to look in the back of them, as well as in the front of them. And around each corner, about two blocks behind them, was Mr. Lesko leading a small group of torch-carrying citizens straight up the street. The day was getting later, and the torches left long, skinny shadows on the sidewalks as if the mob were being led by slithering black serpents instead of a man in plaid pants there are the orphans mr lesko cried triumphantly after them citizens okay first of all they're being chased by a bunch of old people don't you think they can outrun them who are these other two asked the elders in the crowd who cares mrs morrow said and waved her torch they're probably more accomplices let's burn them at the stake too why not said the uh, said another elder we already have torches and kindlings i don't have anything else to do right now Mr. Lesko stopped at the corner and called down a street the children couldn't see. Hey, everyone, he shouted. They're over here. The five children had been staring at the group of citizens, too terrified to get moving. Again, Sunny was the first to recover. Lelik, she shouted and began crawling down the street as fast as she could. She meant something like, let's go and don't look behind you. Let's try and get to Hector's in his safe, self-sustaining hot air mobile home before the mob catches up with us and burns us at the stake. But her her companions didn't need any encouragement down that street. They raced and paid no attention to the footsteps and shouting behind them, which seemed to be growing in numbers, and, and more and more people heard that the VFD prisoners were escaping. The children ran down the narrow alleys and wide main streets across the park and bridges that were all covered in black feathers. Occasionally, they had re- had to retrace their steps, a phrase here which means turn around and run the other direction when they saw the townspeople approaching. And often they had to duck in the doorways or hide behind shrubbery against while angry citizens ran by as if the children were playing a game of hide-and-go-seek instead of running for their lives. The afternoon wore on, and the shadows of VFD streets grew longer and longer, and still the sidewalks echoed with the sounds of the mob's cries, and the windows of the buildings reflected the flame of the torches the townspeople were carrying. Finally, the five children reached out the outskirts of town and just stared at the flat, bare landscape. The Baudelaire searched desperately for a sign of a handyman and his invention, but the only shapes of Hector's house and the barn, house, the barn, and Nevermore tree were visible from the horizon. Where's Hector? Isadora said frantically. I don't know, Violet said. He said he'd be at the barn, but I don't see him. Well, where can we go? 
Where can we go? Duncan said. We can't hide anywhere around here. The citizens will spot us in a second. We're trapped, Klaus said, his voice hoarse with panic. Virio, Sonny cried, which meant, let's run, or in my case, crawl as fast as we can. We'll never run fast enough, Violet said, pointed, pointing behind us. Look! The youngsters turned around and saw the entire village of foul devotees, uh, the village of foul devotees marching together in a huge group. They had rounded the last corner and were now heading straight towards the five children, their footsteps as loud as a roll of thunder. But the youngest bodil, youngest, the youngsters did not feel as if it were thunder rolling down towards them as hundreds of fierce and angry citizens approached. It felt more like the rolling of an enormous root vegetable. It felt like a root vegetable that could crush all the reptiles at Uncle Monty's collection in five seconds flat, or one that could soak up every drop of water in Lake Lacrimose in an instant. The approaching crowd felt like a root vegetable that made every tree in the finite forest look like a tiny twig made the huge lasagna served at Proof Rock Preparatory School Cafeteria look like a light snack, and made the skyscraper at 667 Dark Avenue look like a dollhouse made for midget children to play with at root a root vegetable so tremendous in size that it would win every first-place ribbon at every starchy crop competition in every state and every county fair in the entire world from now to the end of time. The march of the torch-welding mob torch wielding mob to capture violet klaus and sunny and duncan and isadora and burn each one of them at the stake felt like the largest potato the baudelaire orphans and the quagmire triplets had ever encountered spooky are you asleep again my gosh this kid loves to fall asleep